Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hello, this is The Review, a podcast from the Atlantic's culture team about movies, television, and all the things we make to entertain ourselves. I'm Spencer Kornhaber, a staff writer at The Atlantic, and I'm joined today by two other staff writers on our culture team, David Sims. Hello. And Shirley Lee. Buongiorno. Okay. All right. I, I was going to <laughs> yeah. I was going to cancel this podcast if one of you didn't pull out the hammy. Uh, hello. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry, Spencer. No, 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 no. I, I, I just was hoping that someone else would try to be the Italian Mario fantasy inspired by House of Gucci because I don't really have the acting skills to do that. So today we're talking about House of Gucci, the not super acclaimed new movie, but highly discussed new movie directed by Ridley Scott, starring Lady Gaga and Adam Driver, that is sort of Oscar bait and sort of a total mystery about what the heck it is and what sort of movie it's trying to be. It's generated a lot of online discussion. So today we're going to get into it and whether it's good or bad or so bad that it's good. Or whether quality is not a spectrum anymore. Perhaps mm-hmm. quality is not a spectrum. Perhaps yeah. luxury goods are not <laughs> desirable anymore. Is it is it a knockoff Gucci handbag that you would find on a blanket near Times Square? <laughs> exactly. We are going to get to the bottom of this. Excellent. To set it up, House of Gucci is the story about how Gucci, the fashion brand, was lost by Gucci the family and how its one-time chairman, Maurizio Gucci, lost his life to a hitman hired by his ex-wife, Patricia Reggiani. Uh, The central couple is played by Adam Driver and Lady Gaga, and it follows their marriage through the 70s and 80s with Al Pacino, Jeremy Irons, Salma Hayek, and Jared Leto playing other key family members and associates. Gucci. It was a name that sounded so sweet, so seductive. Come meet the family. Everybody, this is Patricia. And this is my family. So way back in March of this year, this photo from the set of Gucci hit the internet and got people talking. To me, the exciting thing was sort of the aesthetic of that they were wearing, which was like 80s, yuppie, super luxe, chunky sweaters and baubles and fur pillbox hats. And that's just like an aesthetic that I think is sort of like in our cultural memory hole right now. It's not like... Not like a lot of people are trying to look like 80s yuppies right now. And so it seemed like a fun (laughs) kind of time warp and costume Mm -hmm. party invitation that got me somewhat hyped for a really fun costumey time. Did we get it from the movie? What do you two think? Well, so this is the big question, isn't it? I think the answer is yes and no. That would be my answer. There's a sort of a war going on in this movie. Often within one scene, there will be a war between two actors who are playing wildly varying 
yes. tones. And it's sort of how much you want to vibe with that. And then Ridley Scott's perspective, which I think is maybe not like everyone have a party in this like free for all of wealth and pleasure. Like, you know, what I mean? like he is not approaching this as like. I want, you know, audience members to be bouncing beach balls and like, you know, blowing kazoos. Um, what do you guys think? Blowing kazoos. I, my answer is also sort of yes and no, but it's based on the performances. You have Lady Gaga and Jared Leto following a completely different assignment from, say, Jeremy Irons. And I think for some people that results in a film that feels imbalanced. For me... It takes it into territory that kept me riveted for the whole two and a half hours. Riveted? Yes. Yeah, I was... I, I, hmm. My attention wandered at moments, I would say. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I came at it... I came out mm-hmm. feeling absolutely unriveted and, and really disappointed by that. I thought it was sort of like a, like a cold slog <laughs> down the mountain slope. Like, it, it, it was... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the zippy ski run that I wanted and expected. There's just something very strange about the execution of this movie. And I hope that the film critics on this pod can help me understand like why it just felt so, so kind of like cold and inert and why I was so often confused oh, by what was happening. What, like, what in you the story. call cold and inert was bizarre to me. Like I couldn't look away. It's this mixed bag of all these very like completely wild accent work plus muted performances plus the the Ridley Scott bluish tone <laughs> applied to, to make something that's supposed to be glamorous and luxurious feel grainy and odd and David I think you described it as a poisonous fairy tale I mean like I mm-hmm. I couldn't look away because it was so bizarre and it was this it's it's this salad of strangeness <laughs> and <laughs> and I think anything that's that ambitious, I can't I can't look away. You know what I mean? It's not generic, <laughs> but maybe so that's a low bar for me to clear. <laughs> it kind of actually reminded me of American Gangster, another movie that Ridley Scott mm-hmm. made that mm-hmm. was tipped as sort of an Oscar favorite because it was this big biopic. It was starring Denzel Washington, and that movie is maybe more classy than it needs to be in a way. Like you know, that movie might mm-hmm. have benefited. I like American Gangster, but it might have benefited from being directed by someone who wants to give you more of just sort of like a gritty crime thriller mm-hmm. and more of a fun package and not a two and a half hour prestige fall package. So how Gucci's got that going on to it. It's very long. I believe it actually is the exact same length as American Gangster. It's 157 minutes long. Wow. This Ooh. is a great parallel wow. I'm drawing here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, there's a world where house of Gucci is, well, there's one, there's a world where it's a miniseries, and that is a world I decry because I want less miniseries in the world, and I want more adult dramas and cinemas. But, like, obviously, there's a world where this is six to eight hours long. You know, obviously, there is so much to flesh out here. This movie does try and pack a lot of detail in, yeah. and sometimes you'll be sort of like, wait, 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 what, you know, like, what are they talking about? I, I, I Was that on screen? Like, what, what's this business deal there? You know, like, there is, there's a little <laughs> bit of jumping forward sometimes. Mm-hmm. Ridley well, Scott... No, Ridley I just Spencer. Scott. Let me just say, Ridley okay. Scott. He's a director I adore. I'm a major defender of his. Uh, he's not a universally beloved director. I would say, in film critic circles, obviously his early, you know, Alien, Blade Runner. That's something. But you know, his sort of recent output. He he has a very definitive point of view in his curmudgeonly elder phase that he is now in. That like rich people 
are the worst and wealth is poison. <laughs> and no matter what the allure of this, and, and of course the allure is powerful and tempting, these people are all like trapped in a cage that is closing in on them. And so he shoots this movie as he shoots a lot of his movies. It's like sort of slate mm-hmm. gray and blue. Mm-hmm. It's like dark. It's sort of tomb-like. There's early mm. introduction of the Jeremy Irons character. He basically lives in this fancy cave. Like it doesn't look nice yeah. at all, even though it's obviously very expensive where he, li- you yeah, know, you, you know what I mean? Like, must. And so I imagine some people uh, are, I think as they should are expecting like, why is this not like a, 80s poppy pastelli like why why am i not getting a little more vibrancy mm-hmm. here so, but, and ridley so, scott is like these fucking people are monsters i probably shouldn't swear. sorry <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> so you're saying he's like um like a bernie sanders character he is an <laughs> anti-capitalist crusader a message movie maker whoa, whoa. he has well, sort a of, political no, vision I, I, I wouldn't go I that far it. like let's let's do it but like i, I would like, argue that i would say that that is true for both scots both scott brothers his brother is I, I, but we totally got to remember ridley scott also like sure he's fascinated by the poison of wealth but he is also just fascinated by wealth and luxury itself he once yep. made a rom-com called a good year which was mm-hmm. filmed at his property in provence and it was just like <laughs> easy for him to get around okay this that guy movie is, that's that movie is about ridley scott and russell crowe wanting to have a nice vacation i I don't exactly, know. I, I like exactly, that movie. Exactly. This is not like Bernie Sanders' level. No, no, He's definitely but, fascinated. Like All the Money in the World was the last movie he made, which was sort of, again, some, quite long mm-hmm. based on true events. It was about the Getty family. Mm-hmm. It's something that's shot through. It's even shot through, obviously, the Alien movies that he made in which, like, you know, corporate avarice is a villain grander than the, you know, stomach exploding aliens. Mm-hmm. Like, he's always, Shirley's right, he's always fascinated by these topics, but he does always kind of swing back around to, like, look, in the end of the day, you know, you'll be dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, you're with yes. a lot of things you're saying, it could uh, apply to, like, what, like an Adam McKay or a Spike Lee or, like, some, like, there are many directors who have a point of view that make, like, kind of kinetic and stylish and engaging right. movies and this one i mean are you telling me that like this movie is executed in the way that ridley scott wanted <laughs> i mean ridley scott definitely is making the movies he wants to make he is again like many older directors notorious for moving quickly when he makes films which might be one reason that no one is like coming in and you know talking to the actors and being like hey jared you're at 800 and adam you're at four <laughs> like we need to we right. need to balance this out a little bit but uh mm. uh you know i think and that's why ridley scott movies tend also to be completely chock full of really really talented actors who know what they're doing because mm-hmm. you need to know what you're doing because he's gonna be like you know he, he will not suffer fools right yeah. and so i imagine jared leto comes in and he's like i'm gonna do this and ridley's like all right mate, it's that's gonna fine. be a deeply spicy meatball <laughs> Uh, you know, and Adam Driver was like, "Yeah, I think I was gonna play this pretty straight. I'm the straight man here. You know, I'm the sort of like the, the so he, the so he's like a crazy non- one. He's he's I I think you know oh, that's a good question, Spencer. I also agree with David that Ridley does only what he wants to do, but he's also he is also kind of this indulgent filmmaker who's interesting because you don't quite know the effect that his films will have, right? Like he he makes films that are prestigious but they also mm-hmm. the, you know last jewel accepted you know they they can hit with the consumer box office he is one of the last purveyors of yes box office friendly movies that are entirely r-rated you know geared towards adults 
And that's what makes me invested in the work that he does because, you know, you could see him as a dinosaur, but he is also someone who came from a world of making like a hundred commercials a year, right? Like this is someone with a work ethic. He just knows what stories he wants to tell and then he does it. But the culture has changed and the audience is changing. You kind of see him especially in this press tour where he's kind of trying to figure out why people didn't see The Last Duel, why things didn't work out. He's like, he's a filmmaker that you can watch adjusting constantly with the larger cultural landscape. You guys are helping me understand the approach that led this movie to be this movie, which seems like he is, you know, for all of his vision and and socio-political agenda or whatever, like he (laughs) is a bit of a workhorse. He sets things up and lets them go and doesn't sweat the small stuff. But if I, if I was to say the, the, the main enjoyment I got out of this movie was laughing at it and not with it, what is that <laughs> correct? Is I, I that how you Ridley, felt or what? I think Ridley <laughs> would reply to you and say like, no, you were laughing with it. Like it's a comedy, uh, which is oh, fun, which yeah, yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. insisting up and down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, laughing at something and not with it, like there's a grand mm. tradition of this, you know, people right. are saying is House of Gucci camp? And that's a question. Like, is it camp is a question that the internet loves to bat around and give people headaches about but in this case i think maybe yes because part of what camp is is being so bad that you actually enjoy it and you kind of relish in its and camp is performance right and this is a very much a performance driven film which is where you extract that comedy from I mean, Susan Sontag described camp as having mm. artifice, frivolity, naive middle-class uh-huh. pretentiousness, and shocking excess, which I would say this has at least, I think it pretty much has all four. Yeah, I think it checks yeah, off I, all I, those boxes. Yep. This movie, I mean, you know, Lady Gaga's character providing the middle-class frivolity, I guess. And like, there's been kind of somewhat of an existential crisis over whether it's campy, whether it's allowed to be campy. <laughs> I guess partly because there's this sort of question of camp where there has to be intent, right? Where it's like, does, does mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, if this thing is trying to be serious and Oscar-y, like, then does it count? Do we get to decide if it's camp? Does the movie get to, you know what I mean? Like, there's been a sort of push and pull on that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Al Pacino takes 40 minutes to sign a piece of paper in this movie. While going, <laughs> ah! Like, you know, I think it's a little campy. This seems like a movie you could play at a theater with free drinks and encourage everyone to have fun. I mean, to be clear, I'm looking forward to those screenings. Right. Yeah, I mean, this will live on in midnight screenings and like YouTube compilations and all that. The confusion that I think a lot of viewers have is just what you're saying. It's about intention. It's it's, it's did did Ridley know that he was making scenes that kind of were so preposterous that you laugh at them. And some of them obviously are. And so, like, we should yeah. get into the performances here. Obviously, the marquee name here... Well, there's a few marquee names, but uh, we have to talk about Lady Gaga. Mm, um, Stephanie. Something of a camp queen herself, allegedly, though maybe she's just campy, I don't know. Um, <laughs> what do you all make of Lady Gaga's performance here? I mean, she's a movie star at this point. And I'm speaking as someone who's not, like, a little monster or anything like that. I, I celebrate how much she did for this role because... Patricia is ludicrous. Look, I say this with all due respect to Lady Gaga, who I agree mm-hmm. is a movie star and the camera loves her. And anytime she's in a movie, it's worked, in my mm-hmm. opinion. There's that element with her, both as a musician and as an actor, that she's trying 10% harder than she needs. You know what I mean? Like just that slightly try hard mm-hmm. element that is so perfect for this character who is yes. very, very ridiculous, but also has that edge of like, 
she thinks people don't quite buy her or that, don't, you know, she thinks she's not classy enough for the joint or what, you know, like she's got mm-hmm. that chip on her shoulder, which is why I think she's so well cast and she's so good. Like she's weirdly believable as this kind of nobody in those early scenes, even though she's yeah. going to be very glamorous in the movie. I don't consider myself to be a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. The accent is so like Transylvanian, right? Like she sounds like Dracula. <laughs> and I was like watching the movie and I was like, look, I'm having fun. I don't mind that she's talking like this, but this is ludicrous even within this movie. And then I went and I lo- looked at clips of Patrizia Reggiani and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. she actually kind of just sounded like that. <laughs> like Gaga basically actually, if you watch side by side, you're like, she's actually doing it. She's actually just doing this person's, you know, very, very affected voice. Uh, yeah. Whether or not that's just how she talked or that's how she just started talking once she, you know, entered the house yeah. of Gucci. I don't know. It's an excellent performance. I'm on the New York Film Critics Circle. We gave her best actress to everybody's sort of alarm. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I and I, I loved it. I, I'm I'm happy for her. Yeah. I think she's a movie star. Like I genuinely just think like there's just not a lot of people like that who can really dominate the screen right now. And uh, and you and you think is. that's yes. that's something that comes out of her performance and not like kind of the whole meta celebrity nature no. of who she is. No, no, I mean, that that is being a movie star. There is an element of who she is. That's part of why you appreciate the performance. But I also think she put genuine work into discovering Patrizia on her own, right? She, there's, there's an interview that she gave where she talks about how she like, quote unquote, is using the animal. So she thought of Patrizia as like a house cat and then as a fox and then as a panther. And I think Gaga's physicality, you can see that animalistic element to the performance, which is not something that I've seen in her like stage work as a pop star. This is serious. And you're laughing it off. At least it's my name on the mugs, not yours. Our name, sweetie. She's never a Gucci, and they the only one who even sort of buys her as a Gucci is uh, Al Pacino's character, Aldo, who mm-hmm. initially is sort of like taken with her and, you know, encourages her. But like when she is interfering in this sort of business affairs, even when she's right, which she sometimes is, like there is this sort of vibe wafting off of Adam Driver and Pacino or who, you know, sort of like, but, yeah, yeah. but you're not, you're not really a Gucci. Of like embarrassment. Yeah. yeah. This little, mm, you know, don't try so hard. You know, the Jeremy Irons character, mm-hmm. Rodolfo, he, he's the most emblematic of that kind of snootiness. Jared Leto playing an actual Gucci is probably the one who is the worst <laughs> at being a Gucci, right? Like he is, he, he embarrasses the family with his, mm-hmm. his antics. Um, there is, I will say though, there is one character missing in this movie, and I think the the lack of this character is intentional, just because it would be so hacky to include it. The character uh, is the um, illegal substance cocaine. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. <laughs> oh man, um, you know what, David? I thought you were going to bring up the founder of the House of Gucci. I was Mr. not going to bring up Gucci, Gucci. <laughs> but no. sometimes cocaine is referred to as Gucci Gucci. I mean, I just assumed that everyone in this movie certainly. Patrizia and Paolo and you know certain characters is just banging rails of coke all the 100%. time. But yes, and and you know and as many a Hollywood film has sort of taught us over the years, you know, there's always a sort of slow decline, right? Everything's a party at first, and they, yeah, yeah, we're all having fun, and then you know by the end of the movie, everyone's a little paranoid, everyone's making decisions they don't 
they they might want to take back. Everyone's like, you know, hiring assassins with their psychic or whatever. You picked a real firecracker. She's a handful. We need to just like put on the table, like Jared Leto. Mm -hmm. What did he do? Why did he do it? And was it okay? (laughs) He's an actor that I generally don't like. I mean, I liked him back in the day like we all did on my so-called life. Mm -hmm. I feel like for a while post that, the deal with him was like, oh, he's like, he's going to be the next guy. He's sort of waiting. You know, he would pop up in like Fight Club and Panic Room or Girl Interrupted, or, you know, American Psycho. You'd be like, oh, yeah, there's Jared, you know, but you were still kind of waiting for it to happen. And then he like dropped off the map for a while and I guess became to a musician. To do his band. Right. Yeah. And when he returned with Dallas Buyers Club, I thought he gave this kind of like grading really obnoxiously over the top performance in that and he like won an Oscar and like became this sort of transformed movie star and I, I, I've not been able to vibe with him much since then I don't know how you guys feel about no, I, Jared Leto uh, I, I like him in House of Gucci I'll just preface my my further thoughts with that but I, you, you guys general Leto uh, thoughts his shtick is just kind of tired his like general he's persona. very methody obviously sort of obnoxiously so yeah as a movie star i don't really like him yeah it's, it's overbearing i avoided the joker movie and i haven't sure. i don't know i haven't like i haven't really gazed in the dark heart of what the deals with Jared Leto and like why all the <laughs> dudes who uh, spend day, all day on reddit think he's like the best actor alive like i there's something that does seem a little macho and performative about his like version of method mm-hmm. over the topness and the kind of roles he selects. And I thought that this in House of Gucci was just an assault on my senses. And, <laughs> and I wanted to <laughs> crawl it's under sort of a four D second form that he was on table right. it, yeah, on, on screen. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, love that. So, so I, I believe I tweeted at the time. He I do I do think he's playing both Wario and Y Luigi. And I, <laughs> I, and okay, I, I also I want to quote your movie review. You said that it seems oh, like he walked off of a pizza box, which is so mm-hmm. funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, our our editor, our shared editor Jane, I remember we we talked about that line and she was like, Well, aren't you if you're saying he's cartoonish, shouldn't we? And I was like, I want to keep pizza box. I just am imagining the little yes. the man the with a mustache yeah. going like, ah, you know, and I'm like Jared Leto <laughs> seeing that pizza box and being like, that will be my inspiration. Um but you know, he has this sort of girth, like because He's wearing this sort of crazy makeup and like and all that of a Wario. Like, and he's this kind of uh, Wario is Mario's evil cousin from the video games, if anyone doesn't know. I didn't you know. know I was not clear on their actual relationship. So thank you for that. Right. And he's <laughs> playing this sort of, you know, he's, I believe Paolo was not maybe quite as bad as the movie says he is, but he's basically this kind of uh, very full of himself designer who's really bad like you know everything he works on everyone sort of rolls their eyes at but he's a gucci so he sort of like skates along but then right he has the patheticness of why luigi he has mm-hmm. the inner sadness he's uh, whimpering in yeah, every he's whimpering. scene like he knows you know you he even though he has all this bravado he knows that no one respects him and i do think he weirdly nails I, may, I am an artist a designer um, like that scene, my favorite scene in the movie is when he lays out all his designs for uh, Rodolfo, uh-huh. for um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Irons' character with this sort of like, you know, no one in the family respects me. Maybe you will, you know, like, look at all this. And, and Rodolfo sort of gives him a minute and lets him 
posture and then absolutely like hatchets him in the face. It's like, you are an embarrassment, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, mm-hmm. get this out of my house. Irons is but, so good at that kind of like dry, withering, you know, awfulness. Yes. And like, that's, but that's, I, 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 I did feel for this uh, buffoon. I'm sorry, Spencer. I mean, <laughs> He has some good lines. He says he's like an artist who needs to fly like a pigeon. And it that's feels just... like this sort of meta <laughs> insult to Jared Leto, doesn't it? Like, Well, except for the fact that Jared Leto is doing that. Yeah, he is. Like, like Jared Leto thinks that he's going to win an Oscar from this role. Like, that's See, like why he You don't it. know. That's oh, part of the delight God. of it. We're, <laughs> we're talking about what movie stars are, and you begrudgingly have to admit that he is a movie star, and that's why there's more enjoyment out of this role well, and how it takes the mickey out of him, in a way. In a way. I mean, the, the thing is, I don't think he's really a movie star because I do often find him just grading, and, like, it's very mm-hmm. try-hard, right? Like, his Joker, absolutely... Felt that way, you know, really uninspired. Uh, His performance in Blade Runner 2049, which is a movie I like, I don't think it's like ruinous or anything, but Mm -hmm. it's again this performance. He's... He's got this kind of like Elon Musk ego on screen, like this, where you're like, yes. this guy thinks he's bulletproof, even though half yes. the world thinks he's annoying. You know what I mean? Obviously, he's got his fan, but you know, like a lot mm-hmm. of people really can't stand him, and Leto just sort of wafts confidence. Yeah, and, right. Uh, that I mean, that persona sort of does help. Perceive. Yeah. My understanding is he doesn't like to rehearse, and he like you know that's a very you know part of the process of making a film like this is that everyone kind of rehearses their roles and line readings for a couple of days before filming mm-hmm. and he doesn't rehearse and so he he just like walks on the set and does that as the first take and like yeah. i imagine it's not taking a lot of notes about that and so it's just yeah the preposterous ego to think that this <laughs> this, this, this yeah. halloween character is a viable <laughs> part of any sort of you know drama comedy anything meant to have any relationship with how life is on earth like it's insulting to the audience honestly <laughs> it does make me wonder if behind the camera sometimes Ridley Scott is just sitting there going <laughs> like downing yeah. his vodka martinis that he always talks about like having in the <laughs> afternoon like he's just sitting there being like yes go on he also smokes like 40 cigars a day i believe <laughs> how can amazing you- that he's How 84. How can you not stand this man? Yes. Uh, yeah. Like, really, good job, Ridley. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, this. so this, he released <laughs> another movie like right before this movie, right? Like The he Last Duel. He did, six duel. weeks before. Okay, well, I will say, I mean, people, The Last Duel was done, it was supposed to come out last year. And then the, That's true. You know, the novel coronavirus, et cetera, there was a pandemic. <laughs> I don't remember if, you know, computers <laughs> were Are you calling it, it the novel coronavirus? I like to do that. It's uh, several years know. in. <laughs> Yeah, the novel coronavirus. Um, so, you know, Last Duel was wrapped a while ago, but yes, he did make The Last Duel, and Disney did kind of dump it into theaters. Uh, it is also funny to think of that The Last Duel uh, is set in 14th century France, and everyone's basically just using their own accents, which I think is the correct decision. You don't want Matt Damon, you know, attempting a medieval French accent. Uh, whereas know. Gucci is about Italian people, not Italian-Americans, Italians, 
It features no Italian actors. It features American and British actors uh, mm-hmm. basically talking like this. And that is uh, acceptable as like, yeah, sure. We get it. They're Italian. They're speaking English with silly accents. But, you you know, these are Italians. You guys get it, right? And uh, This anyway, is why these two films all. work nicely in conversation with each other. They do. <laughs> Well, I, I think The Last Duel is a far more successful movie than House of Gucci. I enjoy House of yes. Gucci. I think I think Last Duel is actually good. I think Last Duel is excellent. But Spencer, did you not agree? You know, I think Last Duel is a pretty good movie at being what it is and what it wants to be is not like that mm-hmm. interesting to me. But it, it does feel like it has a lot in common with House of Gucci in a weird way where it's, kind of, it's just kind of this, like collection of scenes and it's interested in like different points of view on this kind of like tragic story the most unspeakable charge has been brought against you he attacked me the accusation is false i am telling the truth the truth does not matter there is only the power of men so the 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 movie is about these two knights who fought in the last legal duel in medieval france and it tells that story from three different points of view and it, infol- it unfolds like kind of slowly and with a lot of attention to the period details. And you really feel like you're in a disgusting cold castle the entire time you're watching the movie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and he, he was on this press tour, Ridley Scott was on this press tour, like saying that it's millennials fault that this movie wasn't a hit. And I'm like, it is not, that's, no universe would this movie be a hit. It is a really intense, long, sad thing about sexual assault in history. The thing is, there was a time in Ridley Scott's career when this kind of movie hit. Uh, mm-hmm. The Last Duel is a, again, it's a prestige film for grownups. It stars mm-hmm. major movie stars, Matt Damon, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck, Adam Driver. There's absolutely a time when it would have been a big thing. What, what's uh, like a comparison? Like Gladiator, well, like wasn't this? Gladiator was like a sweeping no, epic that like, like action movie. the dudes right, could get that, excited about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sword and sandal action epic. Right, you're, you're. I mean, like First Night made a hundred and thirty million dollars, or what? You know, like people used to go to the theater to see movies. Yeah, but First about Night was grown-ups. fun. This is not a fun movie. not fun. Have you seen First Night? It's awful. No, I haven't. Is it First Night, the one with Heath Ledger and the rock and roll? No, that's A Knight's Tale. That rules. No, First Night is the really boring (laughs) Sean We talked about A Knight's Tale on another podcast, Spencer. (laughs) Sean Connery is King Arthur. Richard Gere is Lancelot. You know, it's like this sort of, you know. Yeah, you're obviously, the, the, the fact that the film includes sexual assault makes it this very, like, but... He made Thelma and Louise, which has like mm-hmm. an incredibly searing rape scene at its center, a colossal hit. Yeah, but it's it's entertaining. Well, I think the last duel is tremendously entertaining. Like I don't I don't I don't really know what to say about that. But it's not just entertaining. It is about very serious subject matter mm-hmm, and it takes mm-hmm. a specific point of view. And that's where it also R- works in conversation with House of Gucci, because House of Gucci, you get it from multiple points of view, but in the last duel, the way that it's structured. And the way that you end with Jodie Comer's character, Marguerite, all of the different narratives coming together and you realize the truth of it. Oh, man, the end of that movie. It, it was, I, I actually almost broke down and like Wikipedia how it turned out because I was so, so <laughs> concerned about it's... what was going to happen. I mean, it is effective in that way. Yeah, but, uh, it's but effective. Also, it's brutal. The last duel is incredibly funny. Like the last duel's first <laughs> section, Matt Damon plays this guy who considers himself a noble warrior who is a good mm-hmm. husband and is defending his wife. And then we switch to the second perspective. We have Adam Driver, which is basically about 
what an absolute like pain in the Loser. ass blowhard Matt Damon is. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. we switch to the third <laughs> character, mm-hmm. uh, Jodie Comer's perspective, which is about how both of these men are insufferable, and how exactly. like the entire system like that holds them up in power yeah. is like so fake and stupid. It's very very like witty and dry in this weird way for a movie that is also this depiction of medieval life that's fairly realistic and this depiction of assault that is devastatingly realistic i I do think it is like a finer movie than gucci and you know deserves an audience just to me like when ridley scott is um complaining that it's not a smash hit i'm like maybe it's just because i'm a product of my generation and i'm not used to these adult themed movies being the kind of hit that you want them to be but like i think it's like a good indie movie like a good art house movie and like sure like give it some nominations but like expecting to be a cultural phenomenon seems a little diluted to me yeah Mm. i i don't think he was expecting it to be a cultural phenomenon i feel like he he was he was just speaking about how it really did not make a single dollar at the box office which is also not true (laughs) like like i think it made not a substantial amount of money, but it made like a an admirable amount of money when it started streaming. And that's just a strange atmosphere to be in for a filmmaker who's been around for so many decades. Let me yeah. read Ridley Scott's quote because it is actually funny. <laughs> I think what it boils down to, what we've got today are the audiences who are brought up on these fucking cell phones. The millennium... <laughs> Sick. You know, do not ever want to be says taught. Millennium. Do not ever want to be taught anything unless you're told it on a cell phone. This is a broad stroke, but I think we're dealing with it right now with Facebook. There's this is a misdirection that's yeah. happened where it's given the wrong kind of confidence to the latest generation. I think my response: roast me, Daddy. Absolutely, yeah. yes, drag <laughs> us, on, Grandpa. You yeah. know, no, I'm with him. Yeah, of course. No, and I'm the cloud that he's yelling at. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I see. I don't see it as an indictment or like him scolding. I think it is. I think he is right. <laughs> yeah, we all can't put our damn cell phones down. I appreciate yes. that he's emotional about it. Yeah, he cares. He cares so much, and yet he didn't care enough to make House of Gucci better. I'm sorry. <laughs> Spencer. <laughs> I, well, we should, I mean, okay. It just, it, to me, the more we talk about them, I'm just like, this is a missed opportunity, except it will live on as the midnight movies mm-hmm. and YouTube compilations where you just rewatch uh, Jared Leto saying, Pigeon. <laughs> it's that and it's also that and it's also Lady Gaga ad-libbing father, son and house of Gucci <laughs> it's time to take out the trash <laughs> is it time yeah. to take out the trash she says that so yeah, kind of to sum it up like what do we think these two you know putting these two movies in conversation with each other and, and thinking about the house of Gucci phenomenon what does it say about the state of movies right now I think it's a weird time for movies right now. People are returning to cinemas and movies are making money again, but it's largely been movies geared towards younger people, franchisee movies. They're still sort of waiting to lure grownups, like, you know, older people. Like, James Bond mm-hmm. probably didn't do as well as it could have in America because mm-hmm. part of the James Bond audiences is older viewers, like, unlike mm-hmm. uh, Shang-Chi, unlike a Marvel movie or whatever. And so, you know, Ridley Scott is more making movies for a wider age band and so i think it's going to be a slow process back to normal but i am sort of i'm more confident than some like that it will snap back a little bit you know like that it's not just sort of broken forever and now people will just watch dramas on their televisions like but maybe i'm wrong maybe maybe the movie uh business will really be just like art houses and giant size event movies and everything (laughs) else will see be more of a home experience that's a perspective some people definitely have. I'm just happy that there are two and a half hour movies that that treat me like an adult, you know? 
they may be hard to sell because they're about serious subjects and they're they're ambitious and they ask for my patience and they ask for my attention and I don't mind giving it. You're no millennium. Like, <laughs> I'm not offended by what Ridley said because I do think it's true. I'm, I'm more offended when studios come out and say like, oh no, we, we can only put horror movies in theaters because that's the only thing that appeals to young people. Or, you know, movies really should be under 90 minutes because that's all we have the attention span for. I think we should be challenging that attention span. I think we should continue challenging that idea that we don't have, you know, the time for it. So make longer movies about subjects that are hard to sell. And um, there's a quote from Ridley, which makes me like, appreciate him. And I I do also want to say that he's someone who's so candid that he has said things that I do disagree with, you know, and when he was making Exodus of Gods and Kings or whatever it's called, and he was saying that there are no, you know, actors of color who could be movie stars. I think he's Mm. been wrong in the past, certainly. But he said that when he makes a film, you know, I've, I've never had one regret on any movie I've ever made. The only thing you should really have an opinion on is what you just did and walk away, make sure you're happy and don't look back. Oh, I admire that. Ridley, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, thinking about this in relation to the other movie I saw in theaters this fall, Dune. Ooh. Walked out of Dune being like, everyone <laughs> must see this in theaters. And walked out of Gucci being like, everybody must see this in YouTube compilations and on streaming <laughs> that, that, that where they can fast forward through certain parts. That's a quality and, thing. You're just, you just well, didn't I, think I, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The movie industry has to contend with this other axis of evaluation that consumers have now where do you want to watch it and i don't think that this kind of workmanlike shoddily plotted approach that (laughs) really brought to gucci where he you know he got all the goodwill in the world all the publicity you could want all the buzz and things about it feel phoned in and i don't think that's going to bring people to theaters in the long run but it will work for i don't want to talk about this technology because I know David doesn't like it, but, but television, um, like, like, you know, like, like they have, to, you, they really have to be testing whether this is TV worthy or movie. And I guess that's the deflation I feel about Gucci is just, I wanted a movie and I got, but really did feel like I'm kind of mushed together miniseries. I don't want to be rude about television or miniseries, but if this was a television miniseries, it would be way too long and it would take forever to get to the good stuff. Right. Like we wouldn't watch it. <laughs> Versace, 100% we wouldn't you know. watch it. It yeah. would have a killer opening theme, though. It would probably have a good opening theme. And it would have, like, but, like, it would be the complaint we have about all TV right now, which is sort of, like, three episodes in, the plot begins to move, yeah. you know, like, it was, and it's especially challenging when it's a real-life thing that you, while sitting on your couch, can open a Wikipedia page and mm-hmm. be like, oh, I see, X is going to murder Y, and blah is going to divorce blah. And, you know, like, you know, <laughs> okay, well, I guess I got it. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, like, and it's sort of, I mean, it's true, but it's but it's a creative challenge, though, right? Like, sure. Well, like there's a there is a way to make it good. Like, like, like this is there's enough material in this story that it could have been a good show. It could have been a good movie, but I, yeah, it just didn't land. Either. Yeah, I mean, I think that look, Gucci is kind of more like a six or seven out of ten for me. Like, because I do think it's fun mm-hmm. in lots of patches. I enjoyed the sort of weird dissonance of the cartoonish performances and Ridley Scott's perspective. But I also think, yeah, it's a little messily scripted. I don't think it's a perfect movie. I do, I it maybe should have picked a lane between the business drama and the personal drama, or and like rather than just kind of mm-hmm. bouncing between yeah. them. Like with the Last Duel, which has the same sort of choppy storytelling approach, but I thought that worked much better because you just want to get little bits and pieces of these characters, mm-hmm. and it'll help with the sort of overwhelming ending. 
as you sort of realize, oh, I've been spending time with monsters. It, like, you know, it's it has a, a more, more clear eyed thesis, whereas House of Gucci, I think, has a strong thesis, but it's looking through the foggy lenses. Ridley Scott has said that he has like a sort of director's cut that is, I assume, longer. Uh, the man is famous for director's cuts in general. Honestly, <laughs> like, 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 let's have it. Yeah, let's have it. Let's have it. Okay, so you're HBO saying, yeah, event. because like the question, of let's course, let's all get is, make look, margaritas and martinis and, you know, because the, whatever length the movie was at wasn't working, you know, like whatever way we were consuming with wasn't working for me. And so I could see like turning it into this kind of like mega thing. Yes, it might play fun at home in a longer cut that just kind of fills in more details. I don't know. House of Gucci part one. This is only the beginning. It's been interesting for me. I had a good time watching this. Good time with Gooch. And it's been interesting for me to see a lot of my friends go to the theater to see it. Like, you know, it actually has lured a lot of people to the cinema and come out being underwhelmed or maybe like it just wasn't quite the fun party they were hoping for. But Gaga, you know, Gaga prevails, right? Like she she might yes. win a gosh darn Oscar from this, right? I don't think she's going to she win, did. but I do think she'll get a nomination. She, she's rah, rah all the way, yes. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so to close, there were so many loud performances in House of Gucci. What about the side characters, the ones that aren't getting the headlines? Do you have any picks for ones that were bright spots? I mean, Jeremy Irons is my favorite performance in the movie, but does that count or is he too big? Yeah, sure. Talk about Jeremy. You know, he's obviously a great talent. You know, he's an Oscar winner. We all like Jeremy Irons just fine. But I think he just kind of gives that early chunk of the movie when it's getting going the appropriate gravitas of like, he's kind of the guy who got all the joy sucked out of him, right? Like he's the warning. He's the faded Gucci. Who's like, you don't want to do this. Like you don't want to enter the business buddy. And he's just good at that. I, l- I love rye mean thin cigarette smoking Jeremy. Irons. <laughs> and that, that moment when she identifies a Klimt as a Picasso and he's oh like, um, it's a Klimt, but he, he does it in that. He's very good at that kind of like, He's being polite about it. He doesn't make her feel bad, but you can see in his face like just utter disgust. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to shout out Salma Hayek. She plays the well, what what would you she's call psychic. her? She, she she's she's yes, she is a psychic, but she also kind of becomes Patrizia's life coach. Yeah. Yes. And she also is the connect for Patrizia to the assassins. So she she plays many roles in Patrizia's life. And I really did love uh, the way that Selma played her energy because there's that scene where they are in the adjacent bathtubs, <laughs> taking like a mud bath <laughs> uh-huh. together, enjoying a spa. And Patricia's trying to figure out her next step. And Selma just plays this character as someone who is clearly the the gold digger who is like, well, what if we just like go to the Cayman Islands first? <laughs> like, <laughs> why, why don't we enjoy a little bit more of the luxury that you have? And, and then we can go about the whole murdering and assassinating thing. She's just a, I think she's an underrated fun character who plays a pretty pivotal role in why Patrizia feels the way that she does. Yeah, and my understanding is that in real life, Maurizio had his own spiritual advisor and the two sides mm. were casting spells at each other at one point. Hell yeah. So that's just, I love that. You know, why that's, is that on the movie? That, that's an incredible fact. You that know what? A, another fact that I wish this movie included, so now we do have to balloon it into the director's cut, is that Maurizio and Patrizia called themselves Mauizia, and that would be the <laughs> license plate on all of their cars. Love it. The original <laughs> Kimye. Yes, they're visionaries. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Um, for underrated or, or quieter role, I'm going to shout out Jack Houston, I believe his name is, the actor mm-hmm. playing Domenico, yep. Domenico de Sol, the lawyer slash Richie Lou character of the Gucci yeah. clan. Um, I liked him because he was handsome. <laughs> Jack Houston is very handsome. He is, of course, part of the Houston family, the famed Houston family. Oh, Angelica, really? Uh, Danny, yes. Angelica. Talented John. family, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are so many sort of ghoulish people in the movie. You know, even Adam Driver, who's, you know, obviously a statuesque person, was sort of ghostly and, and weird in this movie. But whenever Domenico Del Sol was on screen, you could just look at him, and that felt good. So, yeah. good for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there's beauty in this movie indeed there is yeah he was the true Gucci of these knockoff <laughs> no, of all these ugly knockoff Gucci's <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for the show. <laughs> the review is produced by Kevin Townsend with help from AC Valdez. Our art is by Charlie Lomignon, and I am Spencer Cornaber. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thanks, Shirley. Goodbye. Ciao. It's Gucci. <laughs> <laughs>